Okay, if you got a Salvation Encounter book, let's turn to page 40. And we're going to talk about the culture of the unoffendable heart. The culture of the unoffendable heart this morning. Sermons are hot. Some good sermons, man. Awesome messages on living unoffended, bitter-free, living the forgiving lifestyle. Man, more than ever, your generation is going to be faced with challenges of forgiveness and the culture becoming more and more divisive, more and more politically correct, more and more challenging to say something without someone taking offense and being misunderstood, misrepresented, and having to come back without the love of Jesus Christ and forgive that. How many of us do believe that you really are in a challenging environment, your generation, specifically to stay unoffended, tender before the Lord? Let me give you this as a bonus tip. One of the most easiest things to do in the Lord is to get a vision. Vision, ministry visions are super easy. But remaining with a tender heart, that's where the ticket is. That's very difficult. Because how many of you have seen people with great vision doing great things that are mean people? Very common in ministry. I see it all over the world. Their marriages, their individual lives, the way they treat people that they don't feel are important or are imp important being defined by, you really can't do anything for me. Like right now, you're, what's your name in the front row? Maranatha. Like right now, I can't figure out something you could do to benefit circuit riders. And when you have a mean heart, you treat people like that. So there's no reason to get to know you. There's no reason to say hi, find out about your story, because you can't. And that's what, the, that's what meanness is. But in Christ, every single person we meet is a Christian. And that's, that's the joy. It doesn't matter. We're not thinking what your Maranatha is going to be able to do for me. We're just glad to meet another sister in the Lord and just get wild for Jesus Christ, right? And so when we have that bitterness in our hearts or offense, or we've taken time and we, we, we're digging on some resentment. There's some things that happen. But let's look at forgiveness just to really understand it biblically and get it down in our hearts. Pa page 40, one of the most powerful, I'm reading out loud. Read with me because you've got the book. It's kind of fun to do. You get more out of it when you read out loud. And it's a rare luxury that in this quarter you have a kind of book that goes with the lecture. So it's kind of fun for maximum lecture. I also want you to get a vision right now. Will you do this? All of you transport your mind that you're standing on this stage. Now you're looking at a church, a youth group, an outreach environment, and you're explaining to them how to be free. And you're like, oh, yeah, where was that chapter on forgiveness? You're looking at page oh, page 40. You're opening this book, and you're reading the verses, and you're helping people get free. There, you will be busy the rest of your life because so much of the world needs to be free of one to 100 things. If you can learn how to free people, which you already are learning this week, you will have quite a career of freedom. Some of the best sermons in America are when pastors go off on getting free. If you've ever heard a T.D. Jake sermon on getting that anger out of your basement and you're a man, you remember it the rest of your life because it's so meaningful. You know, so here's what I want you to do is not just learn about forgiveness, but already start thinking how you're going to explain it to others. Can I get an amen there? Okay, so let's read together. What I sometimes do when I'm teaching young people to teach this material, I said, I say, walk before you run, meaning just read it out loud. It's so powerful that if you just read it out loud with a smile on your face and determination in your heart, people are going to listen. They're going to get free of the area that you're discussing. And then as you get to know it better, you can put it in your own words, put the spices on the meatball, all the things that you want to do. 
but don't worry about making it complicated. Keep it straightforward so people can get free. I was with a young man who tried to make getting free so fancy uh, that uh, none of us could understand what in the world was happening. Reminded him just to keep it simple. Jesus frees us. Jesus forgives us. Jesus gives us authority over the enemy. And Jesus gives us a new life. So there's not a lot of spice that you can put on that meatball. Jesus has done it all. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So starting with a dog, the story of the dog with a poodle, and I don't even know. It was wild. There was a poodle involved. That's what I remember. And I got healed by some people after the meeting. Prophetic team from Bethel. Okay, so one of the most popular weapons of the enemy against mankind is unforgiveness. Do you see that in your book, page 40? We live with an unhealed we live with unhealed wounds as a result of unforgiveness. It produces fruits of bitterness, anger, rage, can lead to murder. It also is an easy way for us to allow the enemy to build strongholds. Unforgiveness lays the foundation for such destructive behavioral patterns as self-protection and self-preservation. The opposite of unforgiveness is forgiveness. Forgiveness is the very foundation of God's kingdom, the very nature of God himself. Loosed from the bondage that unforgiveness brings, we can begin to heal. And the very love of God can begin to flow through us to others. Here's our verse. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32. I want all of us to know that the enemy has a plan for your life, and God has a plan for your life. The enemy has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. And part of the enemy's plan for your life is to continually harass you with the temptation that you would bite down on the apple of unforgiveness and that you would start to change from the tenderhearted person you are into a person that's more serious, somber, and hard-hearted. How many of us want to vote against hard-heartedness for the rest of our life and remain tender before God, our spouses, our children, our coworkers, wherever we go, tenderheartedness over, over being someone that has unforgiveness? Now, what do, how do I know... If I have unforgiveness, I want you to think of your life as a car and you have your dashboard and there's those warning yellow lights. These are the warning yellow lights that you may have an issue and there's somebody that you need to forgive. Shall we do that? Page 41. If you find yourself holding grudges, grudges are conversations with people that are not with you. What we mean by that is specifically you're taking a shower. All of a sudden out of your mouth comes, I don't have to take that. Okay, there, who's, who don't you have to take it from? Who don't have to take it from, right? You're toweling off afterward. You look in the mirror and say, no, things are going to start changing around here, and they're going to start changing today. You're like, there's nobody even in the house, and you're, you're into a, a change movement. Okay, so, so, so that's who are you speaking to? Or, or maybe, maybe you're somewhere else. You're in your car. You're driving. Somebody comes to mind. Usually it's an issue of disrespect. You were misrepresented. You were not allowed in the inner circle. You were forgotten. You were left out. And all of a sudden, like, I, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. And you're like, I'm by myself in a car alone. Bitterness meter is raging on my car. I need to pull off the car and do some major forgiveness quickly. So I can get this mess out of my life because that's the devil and the devil is working on you in your in your Mazda there, whatever you're driving. Hopefully not a Mazda. Hopefully it's a Prius, something delicious for the environment. But you're doing something like that 
and you're having that. What happens when you have a roommate join you in the car? Now, and if they've got the bitter monster, now you've got a monster movie. And it's the two of you just going, you know, I, 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 I just want to, we've been praying a lot, and I just need to process a little bit. Okay, here comes. Who are you going to process? You're going to process a person. You're going to tell them how much you wish this wasn't true, but it is true, and this person is an absolute bum. And then the other person on the other side is like, man, I didn't want to use the word bum. That's an old word, but nothing else does come to mind. He's a bum. Okay, well, what do we do? Lord, we just pray that he wouldn't be a bum. Amen. And so grudges are verbal expressions when people aren't with you. You're talking about someone. It's clever gossip. It can be when you're by yourself and you're taking bow and arrows and you're shooting at the other guy's buns. You're trying, to, you're trying to say, right, life and death is in the mouth. And so how many of you have ever felt super heavy when you got around certain people because they were gossiping about you? Because there's spiritual demonic energy when people are, are bitter and they're saying trash about you. You start feeling the heaviness. Nobody, raise your hand. Has anyone ever felt heavy? You walk in a room and you're like, they've been talking about my dress. They've been talking about my hair. They've been talking about my weight. They've been talking about my intellect. And I feel like trash, and I'm not making it up, because as soon as you walked in, the room got quiet. Oh, hi. We, how are you doing? Little plastic smile going on. And, and you just know there's energy there. And so we want to cancel our plans of unforgiveness. Number two, when we retreat into isolation from others. I, I pastored a church for about 12, 13, 14 years, and I used to tell people, how long have you gone avoiding someone in the church? There's like 500 some nights, 700 some nights. And I'd always see the same people walk in opposite doors, sit opposite sides. And I knew the whole story. They were mad about something that happened at some wedding. I'm like, can you sit closer? Can you make friends? You know, can we do communion together? And then I'd get the letter that week. Don't force me to let go of something that God's working on me. Like, please, man, this isn't days of our lives. This is... This is not, we are not on channel four at one in the afternoon. We are in the kingdom of God, and you need to let go of what happened at that wedding. What happened at that wedding? Did someone not bring you a hug on the right moment, tell you that your chiffon shoulders were not like amazing dress? I don't know what the details are, right? Say forgiveness. Forgiveness. All right. I don't know if anyone here has a temper. Don't raise your hand. I erupt in anger. I boil inside. I call these the ventilators, not from the hospital. They're ventilators. They're prone to venting. Somehow the trigger is pulled, and boom. Have you ever been around a trigger pulled? I have a friend of mine who's a trigger master, uh, If I and I like to say a couple things to him sometimes to get under his skin. You know, I, I'll, I'll just say something innocent like, man, and this guy really loves guns. He loves guns. He loves guns a lot. And so I say, man. They're coming for our guns. I feel it. All I have to say is that. He's just like, oh, no, they're not. Oh, no, they're not. And he's like, bro, that voice was not your voice. <laughs> I know your voice. I've heard it for years. That was deep. It was dark. It was scary. Are you angry at anyone? Because if you're angry and you're a gun owner, we need to get rid of the anger part, please. Okay, please, okay, so if you're an outside boiler 
if you're an outside boiler, it's time to put yourself on simmer and hopefully down to like 38 degrees. We want to cool off. You got to forgive somebody. Come on. You know the number one thing men need to do to get prepared to get married? 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 <laughs> you know what you need to do, men? Pre-marriage counseling is. Wives-to-be, insist on this. I would like to marry a man that has dealt with his anger. Because nothing worse than getting trapped in a house with a man with unresolved anger. Because it's just a matter of three months where you now become the object of his anger. Because he hasn't resolved his past. Come on, men. Let's pick up that old Samsonite luggage <laughs> from junior high and high school and chuck that on the burn pile. We need a better bag. Backpack. What about a nice backpack with, with, with Bibles in it? Yeah, go to unreached people groups. Let's go. Let's go. Captain Anger, are you ready to retire today? Can I get a retirement call going out to the fire fragrance? Captain Anger? Captain Anger, are you ready? You ready to retire? Retire. Okay, retire. That's it, retire. You ever played pickup basketball, men, with a guy that's got an anger problem? Oh, man. It starts out good. Like two, to, the, the score is like three to one. And then all of a sudden, there's like a look, like, whoa, whatever that look is, man. His eyes were blue, but they're black now. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, like, roundhouse foul. And you're like, foul, dude, I'm missing my arm. I didn't see it. Let's play. Dude, the ambulance is coming. They're going to have to sew my arm back on. Well, next time, don't be in the way of the paint when I'm driving to the hole. We were in a Bible study 30 minutes ago. Now we're playing basketball, and you wanted to kill me, and you ripped off my arm. But you're not angry. Okay, great. Can't wait for your wife to go on the honeymoon with you. It's going to be so exciting. I'm doing you a favor. I'm stirring the pot. We can get rid of all anger today. Let's forgive. Let's forgive. Let's forgive. I bury the wrongs done to me without really addressing them. That doesn't work, Captain Barriott. It doesn't work, Mr. Denial. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can bury your head in the sand, but that's why we have a Bible that says to forgive people. It doesn't say to bury it. It's not polite. You need to be polite by forgiving them so that when you see them, you're glad to see them. You know, it's like, hey, hey. Good to, good to see you, man. No, everything's good. Good. Totally good. My face always does this when I say everything's good. Like, you know, everything's good. It's good. No, we're not going to bury things. We're going to bring them to the cross. Now, this is rare. You don't see this much in this generation ever. But sometimes the old uh, violin comes out, and it's the pity party, the self-pity party of how hard my life was. And my life was harder than anyone else's, and that's why I deserve to remain angry. Have anyone ever been around the self-pity machine? Let's move on. It's a dangerous machine to be around. I was with a young woman once, and she said, I am a victim. And I said, well, okay, but your original design is really cool. Like you're a, man, woman, you're a woman of mercy, woman of compassion. You're this woman of, of just this godly woman, awesomeness. She goes, I know, but if I give up my identity as a victim, I won't get any more attention. And, and I said, but, 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 but please, I said, but please, that is negative attention. And that negative attention is eventually going to wear out your friends. 
you want positive attention for being a Jesus wild woman. Why don't you give that up right now? And she said, no, I won't do it. I said, well, okay. Why won't you do it? She goes, because you don't know what happened to me. So she's trying to pull me in, you know, to the storyline. Okay, are you saying that in this room what happened to you is worse than what everyone else went through? And she said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I knew everybody in that room. I said, well, that guy way over there that you haven't met, man, his parents left him at the curb. He was, he was like eight, literally eight foster kids. I know this guy's name. Look at over there. He's the most happy guy in the world. And this guy's just sitting on a couch just like singing, you know, hallelujah. You know, look, oh, there's an angel, hi, and just stuff like that. And she's like freaking out. And I'm like, come on, he's had it rough too, but he just decided to forgive. Jump on the wagon. Come on, wagon. There it goes. It's leaving. Let's get rid of that victim mindset. Woo. I'm going to get in trouble. You guys are going to bring me to the airport. Let's go. Why not? Just chuck myself in this thing. I carry bitterness and anger against those who have offended me. Instead of stating the truth, I make excuses for those who have hurt me. We've done those. We've kind of gone through these two. The other ones are kind of all covered. But the last, second to the last one is important is, Sometimes when things go rough in life, we can grow distance from God because we're frustrated with him. God, how could you have let this happen to me? We want to this morning get that right and say, God, you didn't cause this to happen to me. You're not the author of this pain. You are the author of healing me because there's original sin on this earth. People get hurt all the time. How many of you know, and it's crazy out here, people get hurt all the time. It breaks your heart. Satan is alive and doing stuff. We've got to be on our toes forgiving stuff. Okay, <clears throat> let's keep going. So what's the key to forgiveness on the right side is release a debt. Turn to someone and say, it's time to release a debt. Now that debt could be emotional, financially, something gone down, uh, relational, physical, betrayal, something about your reputation, but you were hurt. And you're going to release the debt. You're just going to say, this debt is paid. I'm releasing it. Let me explain this to you. In the kingdom, it starts with the truth. When you hit the truth button then and act on truth, feelings come later. I don't know that I've ever forgiven a big thing where I felt butterflies right away. But I will tell you that within every single time between three hours or, that, or sleeping that night, I woke up completely a different person because my mind was cleaned out. I was done. It was finished, and it was over. Feelings come later, not much later, but the first is I'm going to agree with you because it's very much Jesus on the cross, right? You're saying, God, you went to the cross for my sins. I am willing to take my place and forgive others just like you forgave me. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And then feelings come later. When you get couples that are headed into divorce, they're always looking for feelings to fix the marriage. It's truth that will fix the marriage. The truth is we chose each other. We can't get divorced, so stop saying divorce. Number two, we have to totally forgive each other because we're Christians. What do you need to forgive me of? I ask your forgiveness. And if they do that, within days, the feelings begin to come back in the marriage because that bitterness is gone. I had a couple come to my house. They're on the way to divorce court. And they knocked on the door. They came in the living room. They were in their 40s. They said, we're on there. We have the papers. They showed it to us. They just need to get signed. They sat down. I got Christy. We sat with them. And we said, well, will you let us pray for you one time? And we're going to just ask God for one way that your marriage could be fixed. And if it's really God, 
will you do exactly what God says and not get divorced? And they said, well, yeah, you know, just got kind of mad right there. We said, okay, well, let's go for it then. So we prayed, and Christy goes, here's what the Lord's saying is, each one of you is 100% wrong for everything that went wrong with this marriage. Turn to each other and say, it's 100% my fault. And so <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I'm starting to get like football padding on. I didn't know how wild it was going to get. And they looked at each other and they go, it's 100% my fault. And then the, other, the lady goes, no, it's 100% my fault. And the guy's like, shut up. It's 100% my fault. And I'm like, <laughs> I go, this is awesome. You guys are arguing over that it's 100% your mess. This is the way to fix the marriage. They broke out in holy laughter. They, I don't know how that happened. And they just went crazy saying, it is all my fault. Oh, my gosh. I'm been such a, you know, and they went on and on. We're staying married. I go, how about ripping up the paperwork? And they went into full-time ministry after that in a, the next year, just crushing it. Guys, forgiveness is such a powerful, powerful tool. Okay, let's forgive everybody we can think of today. In order to forgive, we got to determine that we're going to pay the debt. We're going to say we're going to release that debt of that person towards us. We're going to release that offender. They're not going to be obliged any longer to make it right. If they make it right later, great. But before that, we're going to forgive them today. We're going to release that sin from holding us down. And so imagine, if you would, kind of in that, in that picture, the grace of forgiveness is Satan is counting on you to take offense, hold on to offense, because that's how strongholds are formed. A stronghold is a place in your mind that allows the enemy to begin a thinking process in your life. And when you met a bitter person, are they a trusting person? No. They have a hard time trusting others. Are walls going up in their life? Yes. Do, is a bitter person often a critical person? In other words, strongholds start to form in their thinking and all those strongholds are opposite of love. And so now the believer has mindsets that are the opposite of love and God, and they're starting to live day to day in the wrong mindset of distrust towards others, protective walls, accusations towards others, and they're jacked up. Turn to someone and say, I don't want to be jacked up any longer. No. No, I'm not going to be jacked up. Not going to be jacked up. It's done. It's over. Now, forgiveness, turn to your page 42. We're almost done with this hour, and we're going to get wild. Wow, we've only gone 30 minutes, so we're doing great. On page 42, there's some Bible verses there, and these are key. Psalms 25, 7, forgive the rebellious sins of my youth. Look instead through the eyes of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. <clears throat> Psalms 25, 11, for the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Psalm 65, 3, though our hearts are filled with sins, you forgive them all. Psalms 103, 3, he forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases, but you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. And now look at the right side. We do Mark 11, 25, 26. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. This is a key verse for your intercession and your prayer is when your heart has unforgiveness in it, your prayers are hindered. Say hindered prayer. Have you ever had that sensation that you're praying against like a ceiling? You're praying, you're like, God, I'm asking you for this. But you feel like there's a ceiling over your prayer. 
and God stops your prayer and says, get right with people. And then out of that, all of a sudden, your prayers change. Your intercession changes and breaks through. Will you remember that the rest of your life? Come here. Come on. Tell me this. You're going to be preaching to a church. How many people in churches are bitter because they never talk about how to get free of bitterness? It's way too practical. It's way too practical. They don't, they'll do a generic message like, let's not have unforgiveness. And, of course, right now, Lord, we're just going to have a time. You know, then the piano comes up. The synth, da 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 and we just release it all. We release it all. We release it all. But that doesn't work. you got to forgive someone by name. you got to get down in the business and say, I release these debts. It's done. So you're going to be standing in places that could be 70% of the people in their marriages and their singleness need to forgive a whole lot of stuff. And it's you, your salvation encounter book, and against the world with the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness how good you're going to be? And you're, and you're going to be throwing down these. You're going to be borrowing some of my examples, making up some of your own, and just pleading with them. And one of the things that you'll ask them is, when was the last time this church prayed in unity? And a lot of times that's a signpost that there's too much division based on disunity founded in bitterness that keeps those people and those families from praying together. Bitter families don't pray together. They tolerate each other. Families that love each other pray together. And that's what God, that's what the Bible's saying here in, in, in Mark. How many of us believe that you could break up some serious, serious boulders of bitterness to the power of Jesus Christ where you're going to preach? Literally for the rest of your life. You'll be 40 years old. You'll grab this book out of your backpack, and you'll just blow an entire group of people up, and they will be changed forever. How long does it take a young person to get bitter? They start getting it, and they're 14, they're 15, they're 16. Life starts catching up with them. Some of you need to develop material for helping high school kids live free of anger and bitterness so they don't have to wait till they're 19 and 20. They can start forgiving the abuse. They can start forgiving the anger that's been demonstrated towards them, the isolation they've had to live in, the, the, the forgottenness that they've lived in. How many of us would love to be on the jump killing off that stuff, raising up tender, wholehearted, set-apart warriors that love Jesus Christ. Can I invite you in to become freedom fighters for a generation, destroying strongholds and setting them free through the power of simple repentance? Well, it starts, you're getting ready for your sermon, so it starts with you coming to DTS first and getting your heart tilled and saying, that's where I left all my unforgiveness in that tent. I scraped it out, it's gone, and I am the unoffendable heart. I will live unoffendable the rest of my days. Can I get a witness? Come on. You know, and can I say something to the ladies here? Now, ladies, I was with Christy, and she's my wife. We've been married uh, 31 years, 32 years now. It's so fun. She's, she's unbelievable. I can't wait till you meet her some way on the trails. But one of the things, we had this fun time. We were celebrating our last anniversary, and it's so fun. She was reminding me. We were, we were talking about our marriage, and it was so fun. She goes, but she could remember things that I couldn't remember. And I go like, babe, it's amazing how a woman's mind is able to remember details that I totally, I can't remember them. And I don't know if I'm getting older. I'm having some mental issues. I don't know, but I can't remember. She goes, that's true. She goes, I have found that for me and all my women friends, we have such great memories for the details that happen with the kids and 
They're all good things, but she goes, sometimes it can play against us and we can remember the bad things longer than we should. Is there a woman out there that could relate to my wife, Christy? And I said, well, well, that makes sense because sometimes my daughter, Chloe, um, you know, she's amazing. Maybe you've seen her singing with Lindy, but Chloe's like the most tenderhearted. She's just, she's, I just want to be like Chloe. And once in a while, Chloe, though, would come in and say, Dad, do you remember that time that you washed my mouth out with soap? I'm like, uh, no. Did I do it? Oh, yeah, you did it. And so I'll remember all day, and I'll go, okay, I remember, I remember. You were making fun of people, weren't you? She goes, yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't want to tell you that part. Like, it was like for three months, all these adults, everyone, you were just riffing on people, and I was out of ideas because you were so giggly and funny that you said any time out, you just giggled and laughed. I couldn't spank you because it just you are just too much of a goofball, and it just wasn't going to work. So I was trying to come up with a fun way to help you not say <laughs> bad things. And I remembered. She goes, that's exactly what happened. And I go, I put safeguard soap in your mouth, and it didn't do anything, and you started to laugh. And I, and, and, and I go, yeah, that, is this the memory? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, and then what I did, I go, what did you do? She goes, I tried to make it more of a punishment, so I bit on the soap. And, and I had a little soap on my teeth. And I go, did it do anything? Did it help anything? She said, no, it didn't do anything because I was so sassy in those years. Well, I go, man, when you brought it up originally, I was feeling so bad. Like, you were, you were, you were remembering all these bad things to do. Actually, I didn't do anything bad. I was doing a safeguard soap moment that backfired and never worked. And you remember the story. It's funny sometimes in our minds when we remember back as women or as men, let's let things go. Does, does that make sense? That we don't bring back up a memory. We still didn't process this or we still didn't work on this enough. Nothing worse than that call. Let's go to Starbucks and process something. About what? About what happened. Ugh. Better to go. Let's. I have already forgiven you. I just want to come and encourage you not discourage you. Sometimes we need those Starbucks moments, but we don't want every, how many of us would love every wrong thing you've brought it done, brought up in the next two hours? Doesn't that just sound depressing? Like, I've got this film shoot from seventh grade, a little selfish in the afternoon, check it out. You just went through the whole school, basically not saying hi to anyone, but making strange noises with your mouth. I don't know what that was about. It was weird. It was, you were 14. Some guys over here, you know, we want to forgive our past and let them go and forgive other people's past so we can go forward. And I love nailing things to the cross. I sincerely do. But it's the scriptures that set you free. It won't be wild actions. It will be the Bible verses in the word that will set you free. You can put it in a coffin. You can, you can build a mountaintop moment, climb up there, be Moses himself. But until you obey the verses and say, I will not have unforgiveness in my heart. That's where you void, boom, the cross explodes in your life. You guys ready to go wild and be some of the wildest freedom teachers uh, that ever came out of Kona? Um, the end of a thing is better than its beginning, Ecclesiastes 7.8. It's better, the patient spirit's better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Don't say why were the former days better than these, for you do not inquire wisely concerning this. What it's saying is that as we allow anger into our life, we become foolish and our days no longer are what they used to be. We start to backtrack into that. So, okay, let's go to the next page of anger. Here's some op opportunities that we have 
to forgive. It is exactly 1014. I'm going to explain this to you, and then you're going to pray through it with your team. So get ready to get activated in five minutes. Everybody feeling good? Anger and bitterness, the unoffendable heart gets a little bit heavy, and I love it. I love digging down and getting it all out of there because it's so much fun when it's gone. So I'd say we're 30 minutes from some maximum joy. So get your shovel out, and let's just freaking beat this thing. It's like getting this out of my life. It's done. For my future wife, my future husband, my future kids, my ministry, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will walk free, completely free in today, okay? What are some symptoms on page 46 of anger? Um, I feel relatively happy, and then I'm struck with a sudden mood change. I raise my voice and even yell to communicate something I am excited or emphatic about. I have been expressed impatience with others that often plays out in exasperation. Why can't they ever understand? I often anticipate another person's predictable behavior, and I became angry when I see it fulfilled. I'm going to do a few more. How many of you guys have a groan on those? Groan, have you had one of those? Okay, that's good. Super amazing. This is a random story. Can I take a commercial break? I, I, I didn't really watch this show a lot, but I do love beards. I do. I, I think they're cool. I've liked them ever since, you know, like Moses. I don't know. Beards are great. You don't need to all grow a beard, guys. It's not that kind of thing. But uh, if you do, I mean, God's with you. But uh, Duck Dynasty guys had beards, you know, in the day. And I, and I know that show is kind of wild. But I just got a text from one of our circuit riders that they got invited to stay at the Duck Dynasty house. Did you hear this? Yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, I just saw that. I was, I, I'm not on Instagram until the send. Um, just so I can stay focused on Jesus, not to be better than anybody, but just I just need focus. But I couldn't believe my dudes were at the Duck Dynasty house. It short-circuited my mind. What are they going to be eating? Okay, back to anger. I hope they take a lot of pictures or something. Send them home to mom with a duck call. Drink some of that iced tea that that old guy drank. I don't know if you like iced tea. I kind of do. <laughs> All right. I become angry when I'm not recognized for my contribution. How do you feel when someone doesn't mention you when something really amazing happens that you are part of? Quiet. This is a funeral now. Good. I like awkward. I was born for awkward. I'm always in awkward situations, and I love them. Awkward's good. All right, where was I? Let's get more awkward. <laughs> I become angry when I feel that I'm disrespected or my words are not taken seriously. How many of us, when you, you know, I got an idea. What about if we did this and everyone's just quiet and just kind of. How does that make the inner self feel? We need to forgive disrespect. That's a massive thing. We are going to forgive all disrespect or when we were written off, not listened to, and not taken serious. Are you ready to do that today? Let's just cancel the debt of all that junk. I get angry uh, when I do not want to hear. I know I'm angry when I do not want to hear what another person has to say. I know I'm angry because of the language inside my head. I get angry when others don't make me a priority. I get angry when people do not do what I say. 
And there's some other ones there. I speak, at the bottom, I speak negatively or critically of others. The phrase, I don't deserve this, goes through my head frequently. Very bottom of the page. I say I've forgiven, but I continue to reprocess those subjects in my mind. I become impatient easily. I think my life is harder than others and that I've been given a raw deal. What do you need to forgive? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so glad you're here. And then turn to him again and say, I'm willing to help you. I'm willing to help you because this isn't an issue in my life. That's right. That's good. That's good. Just let him know you're willing. Praise the Lord for your ministry. Being so available. It's awesome. Okay. What do you need to forgive? You see that in blue? What do you need to forgive? Page 46. You need to forgive. Make a note, mental note, pencil note, pen note. If you've been betrayed by people, if you trusted someone and they turned on you and you trusted them and they broke your trust, who do you need to forgive? So we're going to break down in, in, uh, in groups, and that's the first one you're going to tackle is you're going to forgive anyone that has betrayed you or betrayed your trust. How many of us, by showing of a hand, have an instance of betrayal in their life they need to forgive? More than one betrayal? Does anyone have a double betrayal? That's great. Not for you, but great that you can get rid of it right now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> it came to mind when you were learning about rejection. We didn't go through the rejection uh, worksheet, but we could have. But bottom line, rejection is when you did not receive unconditional acceptance and you were left out of really being honored you were dishonored so are there people that rejected you want let's forgive them let's forgive every person that has shown us rejection they didn't allow us in a circle one of the things that happens to me oftentimes in ministry is it's an interesting thing it, it, and I this was years ago and I'm I'm so I'm it's part of sometimes the culture in some areas is very much what the book of James talks about People show favoritism based upon meeting people that are more well-known and or or can do something for you. Very much, it's so in integrated in social media, just plays out, right? So someone says, man, I've done this or I have this. All of a sudden, there's more of an interest than somebody who just faithfully serving God, doing the work day in and day out. The unknown forgotten soldier is kind of over there on the sideline. Can I just tell you? It is better to be the unforgotten, unknown soldier and to sign up for that for life. If you do get some attaboys along the way, it's better to serve a king of one than trying to go up and down daily or weekly or monthly with men or women telling you you're cool. Can, can, when, when Nick, my oldest son, got engaged uh, over Christmas, it was so awesome. We had an amazing time. He called me. It was so fun on the 21st or the 20th. And he goes, Dad, I want to marry Emily. It's done. I want to put a ring on her finger, but I want to do it before Christmas. And, and he's a catalyst and a wild man. So I was like, bro, I'm so stoked right now. He goes, but I was afraid to call you. I go, why are you afraid to call me? He goes, because you get me so stoked that I just need you to be reasonable if I'm not supposed to do it. I go, okay, I'll be totally reasonable. And, and so there's a pause. You know, he's worried. So I said, I go, Nick, here's the deal. Did you not last October at 2 a.m. wake me up out of my bed, walk into my bedroom and say, Emily Lewis is going to be my wife. I'm going to ask her to marry me before Christmas. 
did you or did you not say that to me at 2 a.m. in October? And he goes, dang. I prophesied my future. I'm just doing the prophecy that I gave myself right now. I, I need to go. Click. A couple hours later, he calls. He goes, I found the ring, but they won't take my credit card. But I have the money. They only take a debit card. And I've got my American Express card. Where are you? They close in 15 minutes. I got there in 14 minutes, pulled in. There he was. There he was. This is the ring for my wife. I want it. Pulls it out of the case. It's massive. I'm like, bro, that's a jealousy magnet right there. Whew. She must be doing bicep work right now. Tonight. Good Lord. She's going to break muscle there. We buy it at the counter, buy a U-Haul forklift to bring it to the car. Get it in there. Get it in a Ford 250 extra long pickup truck. Put it in the back with four security guards. And he was, he was so stoked. He was so, so excited, so excited. But you got to know that there's going to be one relative or there's going to be one person that Nick's going to run into that's going to give him the squiggle eyes. You know, like, what? You're, you're, who are you marrying? And you got to know, he, he's an expert at forgiveness because he knows material. And he's just like, I forgave them so quick. I forgave them while they were forming the squiggle eyes and said, I can't wait till you come to the wedding. Bro, I love you, man. And I lifted him off the ground and just started telling him how cute he was and that what, women couldn't resist him. And he was James Bond in the kingdom. And he started smiling. That he just attacked that unforgiveness in that other person and that bitterness with love. It's not enough just to forgive. Sometimes you got to make plays and disthrone that anger in other people with love. Isn't that fun? Man, he got he got engaged and it was so beautiful. They were down on the beach down in the Monterey area of California. And uh, this beautiful woman, she's from Italy, her family is, and they had something to do with putting the Monterey Wharf together. Uh, her family came through a Statue of Liberty in those days, came through as immigrants and it's really cool. My family's a German immigrant family. They're uh, from Italy, and just these two families coming together is wildness. And really, the two of them have built the whole media for the Send, uh, the media for Circuit Riders, media for Lindy's Music, so many things they've done together. And then it was this magic moment. I'm telling this because one guy needs to know this story. There was this magic moment where suddenly your best friend, who you just kind of work with, started to look like the most beautiful woman in the world why am I not holding her hand? And I was there when it happened, and trust me, I needed to go through inner healing after that, just so I didn't ever have to be by that. That was worse than any romantic movie I've ever seen. Uh, it was an instant, eye-opening experience. It was like a man of God became, you know, like Solomon instantly and started saying poetic things that I wasn't prepared for, and I booked it out of the room. That's all I can say, and I haven't been around it since. These two are madly in love. It's so awesome. Isn't it fun to be free of anger and bitterness, men, when you're meeting your princess and you're just ready to go? That's why we're doing this. So awesome. Okay, so if there's somebody that's bullied you, intimidated you, I want you to forgive them, demeaned you with anger. You're going to go through this. We'll take the time to do it. Is there a person in your life that when they come to mind, you get anger or negative thoughts? Let's forgive them. 
Is there someone in your life who's left you with bad feelings about yourself or made you feel stupid? Let's forgive them. Was there someone who forced you to do something and then betrayed you and tore you down? Let's forgive that as well. Who do you need to forgive for forcing you to do something you did not want to do? This is big. When people do that, especially for your generation, in a peer pressure environment, you were forced to do something that really was never from the Lord. You need to forgive that. That does not excuse what was done, but it allows that not to rule over you. You forgive it. Do you see the difference? You're not letting that event control you. You forgave it. But if people need to make, do something to make that right, then they need to do that. Have you ever been overlooked, continually left out, and made to feel stupid? Who do you need to forgive? Was there a person in your life who should have been there to guard and protect you, but they were not a missing parent? Let's forgive them. Was there someone who should have stood up for you and been in your corner, but they weren't? Who do you need to forgive for constantly failing you? Who is that person in your life? Let's forgive them this morning. James 5.16 says, as you confess your sin to one another, you will be healed. It's essential to have a witness supporting you as you walk through these prayers. So here's your prayer, and I'm going to practice it with you. You see on page 47, guys with guys, girls with girls. And would you partner up with someone who really wants to go for this? I'm assuming everybody does. Does everybody just want to just fire their weapons on this? Okay, because it's really good. when you, this, this is, These are some simple ground rules. If I'm forgiving someone that's betrayed me, guy with guy, the guy that's listening, will you be there as an amen partner? You're like, I'm with you on this. I wasn't there, but I'm with you, and this prayer is working. God's hearing it. Just remind them of the truth. Feelings are coming tomorrow, but keep firing your weapons. You know, be that man that's encouraging them. If there's tears, take a moment, let those tears fall, and let something get worked out in their life. Women with women. If there's been betrayal, if there's been jealousy, if there's been withholding, if there's been distrust, criticism, ugly words from past boyfriends, ugly words said behind your back, and you're letting those words go, sister, that's your witness, would you be there ready with that proverbial box of Kleenex, right, to let that happen and let that come forward in your life and totally release that debt? And God's going to, refreshment's going to pour over you so radically. So here's your prayer. It's the four R's. You see it, Lord Jesus, I forgive. And you're able to put, you can either say that person out loud or just say them in your head, okay, for the sin of. And then that's your list. Put the sin of from the, the list with the blue letter on top. It could be betrayal. Look at that list and forgive those people for what they've done. Then um, you need to f- go through that one at a time. Forgive all those people for all those ex- exact things. And then say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for the sin of unforgiveness towards these people. Do you see that? Yes, forgive me. Forgive me. This is so big and massive. So few people do this in life. Forgive me for my own bitterness or resentment, anger towards them. I ask you to forgive the specific things I've done in anger. God, forgive me for it. If something comes to mind, would you ask the Lord's forgiveness? Then, as you've done that, Close it out by saying, now I break all curses, negative thoughts, and slander I've spoken against them. I replace those words, really curses are words of death, with mighty blessings. Then I want you to stand up and pray a wild blessing over them. You see that blessing? I want you to stand up and just go crazy. I bless them with salvation. Would you say it with some fire in your heart? Maybe they're not saved. 
I bless them with the same freedom I found today. When you release that blessing, God's going to send the Holy Spirit to start working on those prayers because you forgave. And out of that forgiving heart, it's like nuclear power. Powerful prayers get released. All of a sudden, something begins to change. I've seen people get saved weeks after this. Call people. They just totally were transformed. And the person was, it all came out of these prayers. I declare I love them by faith. I declare that they are your child. I look at them through your eyes. I see their hurt, their pain. I ask in faith you'd pour your spirit on them. Do it now, Lord. My chains are broken. I stand before you. Thank you for the power of the cross. And then you're going to rebuke. You're going to stand and pray the following with conviction. I renounce a life of anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. I renounce the right to take offense, and I give up the right to see justice. I give you my relationship with them. It's in your hands now. I'm not responsible for things that only you can do. I cut that cord now. And I rebuke spirits of rejection, anger, unforgiveness, sickness, self-destruction, bitterness, self-hatred, and rebellion. And then replace it by praying those prayers out loud. How many of you feel like not only you could teach this class, raise your hand if you feel like you could teach this class. Go for it. How many feel like you could maybe teach this class with a little help if one other person joined you? Could two of you teach this class? Raise your hand if you feel like I could find someone in this room to teach this class and walk a whole room through this. You're going to be doing this all around the world, team. You're going to be doing this all around the world. This is not just to get free. I'm taking you the slow way today. I t this is the one quarter because your bro said I want everyone to be able to teach this. This is why I take the circuit riders through so they can teach this on college campuses. Now you have the inside out of how this works. You're going to crush this prayer, and you're going to find yourself able to set masses of people free through just taking them through the material. Okay, find your bro, find your sister. Um, this will probably be about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. We'll call you back in. We'll say a prayer together. So good. How many of us know that, that we got rid of a lot of unforgiveness? A load. A load of unforgiveness. So, so amazing. Um, one of the things that as you're gathering back together, and I'm going to, can I speak to you now just for a couple minutes as being leaders? You know me, a lot of times I coach leaders. If you don't know me well enough, that's a lot of the time that I do is helping young people become great leaders in media, in music, great messengers, gatherers, disruptors, society shakers, and there's so many. And one of the things that, that I love to connect in your hearts is this skill set of the four R's is so easy to do. Joyful repentance is so easy to do. And it really keeps you out of the deep weeds of life. It keeps you out of those distractions. How many of you have ever been, you're, you're moving forward in faith, but there's these voices off to the left and to the right, kind of like background noise of negativity, Noises is saying, this is what you can't do, you won't be able to do. How many of us have ever been tempted to listen to those voices and not clearly walk into what God is asking us to do? When we get greater and greater character, greater and greater strength, we're able to listen less to the voices of man and more to the voice of the Lord. And that's why being free of unforgiveness is so important. Because unforgiveness keeps us living in our past responding to our past, responding to things that happened a long time ago, 
And those don't need to be in our mind any longer. Any longer. That's out of our head. We have forgiven that, and that bitterness is gone. We want to truly live unoffended, unoffended everywhere we go. And so I'm so proud of you guys. You guys are going to have the best decade of leadership living out this unoffendable lifestyle. It's going to save you from bitterness and misery so many different times. Can you guys imagine your dates now in the future after all this is over with whoever it is? I don't know. Wonderful lady. Going on a date with my son, Spencer, I was telling you, man, this guy is Don Juan. Three weeks in, I don't know what happened to him. I got a report last night I can't share. It's just so, the guy, I mean, just, I don't know. He went to the zoo all day and just, he never did any of this stuff. It's amazing what love can get a guy to do. Isn't it? Men, you you know what I'm talking about? It's like he's spending money he doesn't have. Driving with gas that he doesn't find, can't find in his car. He's got wax now for the car. Shop back. Seriously, man, isn't that the best? Of course, you can't do anything like that for five more months. But um, anyway, just stories from the other side. <laughs> so good. So good. Maybe you should just kind of put a message in the bottle, throw it out in the ocean, hope that she ends up down there having a quiet time, and the bottle just floats up near her. She opens it, and you say, you don't know who I am, but I pray for you every day in class. That might not be good. A little creepy? It's a little creepy. Okay. Um, let's not do that one then. Okay. So, the, the next culture that we really want to address, and I'm going to pull this. Um, did you guys have the culture shift manual here? Did you guys get one of those? Did they ever send you one? Okay. So, cool. Love that. Totally love that. It's awesome. Okay, I'm going to pull something up. Give me one second then since we don't have that. I have, I have it here, and I can get it for you. Lord, just give us the exact arrow to finish this up. So we can just crush our way through maximum freedom in Jesus' name. We want to be as free as we can be in Jesus' name. Okay, what I want to talk to you about then, again, is coming out of this pattern. Today's kind of our bigger day of, in, of really going after healing in our life and really clearing up all this stuff from our backgrounds. But what we've done is forgiven. And now, now here's another thing I want to add to this. It's important to realize when people have spoken specific words against us that we ourselves no longer function under the power of words. How many of us know, we've been talking about this, that words have the power of life and death in them? And when people speak powerful words, they can either be a blessing or a curse. And in the Bible, that's what we're going to close on for about 25 minutes, is the need for us to really become radical encouragers and step out of any pattern of negativity or criticism. Can we, can we do that, Fire and Fragrance? Just turn on the love like wildness. Now, a blessing, check this out. A blessing is when we're asking God to put to pour out something on someone's life. So we say, Lord, I just bless them with outreach money. I bless them with, Lord, I just bless them with health. Man, right now, God, would you heal them? We're blessing, right? 
We're asking, we're invoking the Lord to pour out through our words a blessing on our friend. Now, the opposite, of course, of a curse is we're saying words of death. We're saying, man, this person is never going to get it. They're never going to get there. And we're saying negative things about them. How many of us know that demonic spirits are operating in the land of curses? It's true. And so as Christians, we're never to say a word that's a curse to somebody. Our words are supposed to have life in us everywhere we go. Life, life, life. We don't want to be those that ever say, you know what? That girl, she's never going to get married. Look at her. That is a, right? That is a curse. You're saying evil words that have darkness in them. Our mouths are speaking the opposite, saying that woman is, that woman's basically Esther herself. And that's all I got to say. And Esther can take care of her own business in Jesus' name. You know, you just, you have, you have words of life, not words that twist someone's destiny. How many of you have had some trash talk to you in your life? How many of you have talked some trash? Okay, all right. <laughs> there it is. Wow. Powerful information being shared. But the Bible says in James 3, 6, if the tongue is full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life, it can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction, for it's set on fire by hell itself. And so the Bible is saying that our tongues have the propensity or the potential to be set on fire and say the craziest things. And so we need to have self-control over our tongue. Fire and fragrance, are you ready to put your tongue under the joy of Jesus Christ's <laughs> words? Yes, yes. Sometimes the Bible says in James 3, 9, the tongue can praise our Lord and Father. We see we're worshiping God, but then sometimes it breaks out into curses against those who've been made in the image of God. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So we can be worshiping God. We can be having a time. And so we're free of bitterness now. So there's no engine down there that is pushing words out that are negative. Now we have a clean heart, and we can now retrain our minds to speak words of life. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18.21. Words are powerful. Psalms 33.6. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. So we need to know that by faith, when we speak words of life, those words of life have power in them, especially when you think about your future with your children, ministry teams, being married one day. Your mouth needs to be uh, basically washed by the blood of Jesus and speaking words of life. Can I get with you right here real quick? Let's get our Internet and our just whatever we're saying, and whether it's on social media, wherever we're saying it, that our words have life in it. Let's bring life into every environment because darkness is increasing on the earth. Words are powerful. So turn to someone and say, words are powerful. All right? Now, in the Bible... Um, in the Bible, we see that goes out of its way over and over to show us that we don't want to speak curses. Do you remember that um, there's some wild ones in the Old Testament you may not be aware of, but they were spoken in Joshua's case, Joshua 6.26. Joshua made them take an oath at that time saying, Cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and builds this city Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation. And with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gates. And hundreds of years later, when they started to build Jericho, some, 
great tragedy came on those that tried to do it. In other words, when God will speak a word through one of his servants in the Old Testament and said, don't ever do that, that word had power in it. And we don't want to mess around with saying junk. Come on, come on, church. We don't want to be careless saying trash about people's lives because we're creating a negative environment that the enemy can access and begin to harass believers and harm believers. We want to put a shield of faith up and say we will speak life. Even when someone does the opposite of what you are believing them that they could do, we don't want to show up and go, man, you're negative, you're mean. We want to show up, bro, you might have made a minor mistake right there, but I guarantee you, you were made for love, and you're going to turn this around. Fire and fragrance, can we be the company, the company that redefines people's callings and destinies by speaking words of life this quarter? Some of us have come out of environments that are very negative, cynical. Some of us have been around a lot of withholding. Let's break the spell of withholding with a loud, loud encouragement environment on every aspect. Women, I want to speak to you just briefly. It's so important with the great gifts of God on your life. This is a season for women to awaken and arise on the earth. We're seeing it everywhere. And this move of God that's going on right now is so powerful. And women are being activated as catalytic leaders, catalytic voices. What's a catalyst? A catalyst is part of, is a scientific term And it's used for an experiment. When a catalytic agent is entered into an experiment, you get a chemical reaction much quicker than without it. Basically, being a catalyst is you bring change 10 times faster. What would have taken 10 years can now happen in one year. And when we're walking as a catalyst, ladies, we're walking in our calling and our destiny. And the first thing that a catalyst does is says something. You can't become a catalyst without saying something. Your mouth must speak. Ladies, your mouth must speak. Can I get a witness, ladies? Your mouth must speak. And before maybe the temptation, before we were getting rid of all that junk in the trunk, and we got rid of all that stuff, the bitter monster's taking the hike. He's going to the volcano right now to dive in and just get sudsed up with the lava. I don't know the details. I'm not a demonologist. But he's somewhere near there, I believe, with my demonologist radar gifting pack. But in all seriousness, ladies, when you speak out, when you prophesy, when you call forth life, it is, it is such a need in this moment. When you say where there's death, there needs to be life. When you speak it out over women, when you speak it out over groups, there is crazy outcomes. How many, of us, how many women in here believe there is a significant message burning in your heart. And this is a perfect incubator, this fire and fragrance quarter, for you to capture that message and for all your words to start blowing up. Women, are you ready to take action? Y- yes. Take action. And that action looks like something, right? It looks like something. It becomes something. How many of you ladies have ever wanted, I've, I've, because I've been kind of the Mordecai to the Brave Love movement, and it's amazing, sometimes you'll get a young woman or any age woman, and they'll come up and they'll have a great idea from the Holy Spirit. And it's funny how even two or three girls will get around it and try to dumb down that idea right away, try to make it less. You know, oh, you know, that's great, but that's going to just take so many people and so much time. Can we be a company that believes God over God's crazy ideas 
and is even willing to help those ideas come to pass. Sometimes you have to give up what you're doing just to get the first idea to work. And then more things come to pass. Ladies, let's sign up for having mouths that speak life and life like we've never spoke before. No longer are mouths speaking anything less than the life of Jesus Christ. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what we're doing. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, ladies. And this Brave Love movement's been wild on college campuses because what I see is 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old young women standing on chairs in chemistry rooms, gathering like 50 girls on a, the second night of the Carrie Love Tour, and just preaching their guts out on becoming love catalysts that will take on high schools and junior highs and prisons and leave no hostages behind, find every last lost person and present the gospel. Ladies, I'm telling you, this is the hour for some of the greatest gospel preaching from women that has been heard in the last hundred years on the earth. If you're in this class today, ladies, let's go. Let's break off every curse, every curse against your life that says it's not going to happen. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the voice. You don't have the message. It's broken in Jesus' name right now. We take authority over that. This is the hour of power. Women, one more thing. It's an, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be a woman because your heart beats so much like the Lord. And the compassion that you carry and the mercy that you carry allows you to see the greatest need. Is that not true? You see needs sometimes where we as men are not able to see them right away. This isn't a competition. This is just being around it. It's so amazing to watch. And I've met women all around the world when they see needs, they want to do something about that need. They want to heal the sick. Not for fame or fortune or building ministry, but for mercy. They want to heal the sick because they just want suffering to end. They have a completely different hard drive. They're not there to build a mega Instagram following on their, you know, stage healing moment. They're there because that little kid in the dust is suffering their brains out, and they want the power of God to touch that kid and heal that kid and give that kid salvation. Women are an engine of change because the purity that they carry in their heart is so electrifying, and it moves like a wave across this generation. Women, are you ready to become the healers, the healers, the healers of a generation, those that will prophesy healing, see physical healing, and not be afraid that maybe you won't be used by God to heal, but you're going to be used by God to heal because the need is so great. How many of us believe women the need has never been as great right now on the earth for godly women to arise? It's so funny. The word mother has come under such attack since we started Brave Love. We're not attacked by it, but in culture, even I saw in Canada, they were wanting to ban the word mother. I don't know if that is going to get any traction, but, but it was so strange. Why would you want to pick on the word mother? The word mother is such a powerful word, isn't it? Deborah arose, a mother in Israel in the Old Testament. She chose from all of her destiny opportunities that the strongest place for her to launch from was her mother's heart. And in that mother's heart was the fuel and the flame for her to change all of Israel. Ladies, we bring life. Whether we have children or not, our mouths, our lives bring life every room we go into. It is impossible for a woman to not bring life when she walks into a room. 
Every woman in this room, can I sign up with you? Now, I love the messenger track here. I was there yesterday. It's so awesome. Yes. But you brave love ladies, make sure that Shannon and Jolene and these other ladies, make sure you get over to their houses, their living rooms, and learn the message. Escape the base, whatever you got to do, and learn how to preach the message. It's hard to learn it in that, you know, just in a short amount of time. Go through the chapters and learn the Brave Love message because you're going to be lead, you can lead conferences in the nations. You're going to be in India and 200 women from a village are going to come out. They have never known love, and you're going to preach. They're going to be healed. They're going to get identity. You're going to prophesy over them, and they're going to go back to villages and lead people to Christ that you cannot believe. All because you took a few nights during this quarter to seal something in your heart. You're not tagging along on this outreach. You are going to set masses of captives free. Your days of diminishment are over. This is your hour to shine. Women, arise. This is a moment in the history of the nations for women to catch it. And I'm big into this. I'm a, I'm a dad to this. I believe in this. Women, I love you. I wish Christy was here to say it. She could say it better. But she sent me here with a note in my pocket, and I'm reading it to you. On her behalf, brave love, let's arise and go for it. Let's go for it. It was wild. I'll go. I'll move on. But crazy thing for me was when this prison moment happened with Josh Lastra and his a beautiful girlfriend. They just, Allie, they're, they're just so precious. And they both have a heart for everything, just like you guys. You know, they, they don't really have like, I just have a heart for this. And you saw some of the pictures, some of you of them in that prison, the, those coming to Christ. And they were just in my house days before that began to happen. And I thought to myself, isn't it amazing? When you, I could just feel Allie just prompting him like, we should go over there. We should go over there. He's such a hulking big guy. He's so awesome. Just walked in there, dumped his father's heart, and the place blew up. How many prisons are there in the world, fire and fragrance, that we need to walk into? So that we need to walk into. You're going to Peru. Every prison in Peru ought to have a fire and fragrance team going in there. Hundreds and hundreds in heaven. When I go to heaven, let's have a Peru prison area. All, the, all those have been set in prison in the tens of thousands in heaven, celebrating, hugging you, crying over you, and thanking you for giving them the gospel. Are you ready for that? Okay, let me see what time, what time is it. You guys give me 10 more minutes. Okay, men, as we're joining in with this, as we're joining in with this, we have that same pure heart. And men, I know it's crazy, but we are really ready, men, in this room to launch out and to launch out with words that bless, words that bless. That's how we got into this. Bitterness gone. Self-control of our anger, our voices speaking words of destiny in life. Sir, do you know that when you say to another guy, you know what? You can do this thing. That guy may have never heard you can do this thing more than one time in his life. Men, some of you are too young to be fathers, but you already got to start talking like fathers. You got to start affirming the men to your right and to your left. Wouldn't it be great this quarter of the men bonded together and ran for like 10 years? Just literally became like we, we went to a school, but we ended up running missions all over the world as a pack of brothers, like 50 of us bonding together for the glory of God. I just feel, men, there's something that there's, 
there's a women's movement that's arising, you're kind of looking in through the window, and you're ready to form an army. Because that's what happened to Deborah. Deborah launched it when she said, Barak, come. And she called one man and said, get your army. Uh, you need 10,000 men. And he raised a men's movement up overnight and took the nation back. What always follows women raising up is a crazy group of men that are ready to go absolutely wild. And those men in Deborah's time, they went after the nation. Why? Because women were being raped. Children were being raped. Children were being killed. In other words, what Deborah said is village life has ceased. Come on, men. Put it back in order. The roads aren't safe anymore. We can't walk anywhere because we're getting attacked. And those men rose up without swords, took the few pieces of steel they could, came against men that had chariots of steel and iron, and overturned it with the help of God, and the nation came to peace. Men, men, I believe in this room can come a group of men that says, we don't want to just stay off pornography. That's too low of a goal. That was totally the early 2000s, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, accountability partner and feel like a bum, you know, who, who's been on porn? Okay, I have. Okay, come back to the woodshed. You know, don't do it anymore. Are you feeling better? You know, that was great, I guess. But what we needed to do is react more boldly than just stay off of something perverse. We needed to go after the source of it and create media campaigns and educational campaigns where men are standing up and saying, we are no longer raping women on film and dis distributing it to the nations. This needs to end. This is sewer addiction. It is killing us. Are there some men in this room that will say, I will give my life to make villages safe again, to make roads safe again, so wives Later in life, when, you're, when you get married, your wife won't be in tears at the kitchen table. There's nothing, my kids can, nothing our kids can watch anymore. There's nowhere they can go anymore. Let's have, the, let's have that barrack in this room that has gone before. How many of us know it's time? You're bitter free. You're angry free. Your past is behind you. Men, let's come together and do something that's never been done before. It's time. How many of you guys, in, in, as men, have felt like the whole issue of family hasn't received enough honor like you wish it would? And you see sometimes young men not really understanding the power of really what and who a woman is. They're looking for something that isn't even in the Bible or isn't even believable. It's not even made. They're looking for an image to satisfy something in them that only Jesus can satisfy and they're only going to end up in divorce court because that isn't a real relationship. Men, how many men in here are ready to train men? You don't need to be on staff to train a man. That's a late-night walk on the beach where you have a heart-to-heart -heart on the kind of man you're going to be the rest of your days and the way that you're going to approach women and train women, or excuse me, train men to approach women. How many men in this room want to go beyond staying off pornography to ending pornography? In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, men. I feel that battle cry. That's right. It's in your hearts. It's in your generation's heart. And you have the skills. You have these smartphones. You can start campaigns overnight. You can find guys with cameras. And we can go forward. It would be great to see a video that didn't tell us all the dangers of porn. 
We've seen enough of those. Let's just let's see something that educates us on what life is, what life is and what life could be without that addiction knocking on the doors of homes in the name of Jesus. I'm so proud of you men in this room. I can feel the integrity that's in your hearts. There's a heart of integrity in every man in this room that is not a man that is a common man, but is a man that is on a mission to see something change. And what you're going to see change is going to put tears in the eyes of fathers like me for days to come. We will sit back and remark at the bravery that was in your hearts to make a change when no one was doing anything. Can I ask you guys to be proud of yourselves in this hour? Maybe it's been too long, men, where you have not allowed yourself the joy of realizing you're God's man, that you've got God's hand on your shoulder and the Holy Spirit burning in your heart, and that you're clean and washed and sin-free. Your shame is nailed to the cross, and you are ready for God's assignment. And you are not going to go back home to America and get your two-car garage, whatever, maybe your apartment now, <laughs> live in your dad's basement. Who knows? But you've got something greater to do. God's going to give you an entrepreneurial idea of how to stay in missions, and you're going to build the new. It's time to build the new missions movement on the earth. I'm bringing it to a close. How many of you have said in the last two weeks, I'm really proud of the people that are in this room? You're like, man, this isn't a school. This is a family that gathers in a tent to change history. I love the people in this room. Nobody's acting all, you know, prim and proper and pious. People are humble, salt to the earth, ready to do the hardest thing. I'm in the craziest tent maybe on earth. I'm in the fire and fragrance tent. I'm glad you feel that way. I'm glad you feel that way. I'm so glad you feel that way because you should feel that way because it's such an awesome honor for me to walk in this tent and go, the hope of a generation, the burning ones have assembled, and what great deeds will come from the heart of these in this room. So I salute you this morning. I just bless you. I bless you with such exploits and joy. I bless you with family. I bless you with futures that know no boundaries or no boredom. I bless you with going down the uncommon road, the paved road, but yes, the unpaved road. All the roads are yours. And that every door would be open before you. Some of you would become governors, congressmen, senators. Some of you would become those that start businesses in the marketplace. Some of you become so wealthy that we're going to be writing you support letters twice a day. Some of you are going to go on and be full-time missions and take on whole nations. And you're going to be our favorite letter to get twice a year. And we're going to cry over you and we're going to say we were, we're with you. And we're going to send you toothbrushes and money too. In Jesus' name. This is coming together into a family. I pray a family blessing on January quarter that goes beyond anything we could ever imagine. Closeness between women, I bless you. All your walls shattered. Jealousy so far gone. Perfect trust. You've got a snoring roommate. I bless you with love of loud noises in the middle of the night. In Jesus' name. I bless you with the bird that nails your door with his stuff. And you get up and go, just missed me. I just got missed by a bird today. It was so awesome. Bless everything that we're going to go into. Every speaker that comes, let's bless them right now. We bless them that are coming. We bless them. We bless every worship set, every Thursday night, Monday night, 
every Sunday. No accidents this quarter. Everybody in great health. The flu, get off the island. Let us stay in great health. No colds and weirdness, but true joy. And if you're sick and you've brought some malady here that you've been fighting for years, in the name of Jesus, may you not leave this island with that in your life. May you leave this island healed, filled with new health and vitality and write a letter. May we write letters home from this island that make people cry because they're so filled with the love of Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I salute this company. True, it's a school. True, it's a DTS. But it's more than that, God. Those were just names to get us organized. These are revivalists. These are the trainers. These are the evangelists. These are the leaders. These are the world changers. These are the disruptors. These are the innovators. These are the unnormal ones that never fit in a day in their life. And they've all gathered together as one heart to see the impossible become possible. Lord, I pray the exploits that come from this quarter would go across the nations. And young men and women who are afraid to go would look at their faces of those in the room and say, I can go if they can go. I can do it if they can do it. I pray a trumpet would blast from this quarter. And every young man that's sitting at home that says, I could never do that. I could never raise the money would suddenly find boldness. That every woman who's been told to shut up, sit down, you don't have anything to say, would find her trumpet. Would find her trumpet in this hour. We pray that as Shannon speaks at the send, that every woman who's been told that her best days are never, would all of a sudden realize there is no limit to what Jesus Christ can do through my life. We pray for an eruption on both men and women, not only at the send, but in the days before and the days after. Lord, would you bless, would you bless the leaders of Fire and Fragrance as they're giving their guts. Give them the snow cone of life, Lord. We need them to be encouraged, blessed. Lord, if anyone's got a lot of money, buy them snow cones in Jesus' name. We pray for that, Lord. Bless these awesome leaders. They're ridiculous, God. We bless them, Lord. Oh, God, pour out your favor on them. Favor, 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 God. Finances for all the things that they need. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, we'll see you tomorrow.